The final preseason game is almost upon us, and that means it is time for one last 53-man roster prediction. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal in Acadia, copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Shows on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day, every single day. This episode's brought to you by Brightco Jewelry and Watch Insurance. Brightco helps bring you comprehensive, fast, and affordable jewelry insurance for as low as $5 per month. Check out your special offer for Locked On listeners and get covered in under two minutes at bright.co forward slash locked on. That's bright, B-R-I-T-E, dot co, forward slash, locked on. Today is going to be 53-man roster day. Not a lot in the way of news. The Vikings are still practicing and stuff. So Nick Olson and I did our final uh, 53-man rosters. We've been doing these, like, dueling 53-man rosters uh, for the last couple of years. Really fun. Um, so I'm going to go over it. Pretty straightforward stuff. I'll tell you what, where I differ from Nick too, because I think there's some interesting ideas there. I think the harder stuff to figure out is worth talking more, but we do not differ at quarterback. We both have it. Two quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins, Nick Mullins. I think that's reading the tea leaves. Um, also just looking at the one Nick Mullins game that I actually have the tape of, which is the one against us. Um, he just looks better than Manny and Ormond. It's kind of that. Um, I like, this is a death knell for Sean Mannion, right? Like he's over. Um, maybe he comes back as a coach or a practice squatter or something, but obviously he gets to go test the market before that happens. So whatever the, really the question is, does Mond make it like you do not trade for Nick Mullins unless you are not going to make Kellen. You're not going to trade for Nick Mullins. If you think Kellen Mond can still be the backup, right? You're not going to start spending resources. Um, like sure. There's a chance Kellen Mond is the game of his life in, in Denver, and like changes everybody's mind, but that's kind of like what it would take is like some kind of miracle game. Um, so the, really the question is, do you see enough in Kellen Mond to say, maybe this guy turns into a better player next year and maybe he can be our backup next year. That's like what you're hoping for. I don't, it's, it's too far away. The, the reading is too slow. He's too slow to get through everything. He's, Changed something in his mechanics where he doesn't even have the velocity he used to have. Like he can, but he doesn't use it often enough. Um, and he's been prone to some pretty bad catastrophes. And he had a bunch of uh, snap exchange problems all camp. That's a lot of bad stuff. And I don't know if that stuff gets fixed in a year. If I'm going to put resources into developing a backup, how about one I can actually feel good about being a backup? And maybe we can make Nick Mullins something better. Like let's put the quarterback coach's time into making Nick Mullins better. Um, I'm over it. I'm done. I know third round pick year two and I'm letting him go. He can go be somebody else's project. And if somebody else goes and develops him and he turns into a good backup because they managed to coach him up good for them, but that can be somebody else's problem. Uh, Nick seems to agree with me there. He also agrees with me on running back. Um, I admitted defeat on the Alexander Madison thing. Um, I, look, it was a hot take. It was just my like spicy take of the off season. So, uh, that Madison would get cut. I think he played well enough against the 49ers. I, like, he needed one good preseason game, and he had it. Like, it was that 
close, right? Like it was that like he, I, he needed to have a genuinely bad camp in preseason to get cut. And I thought, Hey, maybe that could happen, right? Like I think he's in more danger than we think where he is, can have a bad enough camp to get cut. And that's not true of all players. Um, but he didn't. And so he's going to make it. So I got Dalvin cook, Alexander Madison, Wongu. We both have Ty Chandler in. And I think it's just a matter of like Ty Chandler has played well enough to make it. Um, I think with these 53s, a lot of times we go, well, well, you know, what are you going to do with four running backs? Rotate them, keep everybody fresh, more fresh legs, more depth. That's all fine. But it's more that he played well enough to make a 53 man roster. And I'm going to keep that, you know, the fourth running back over the sixth wide receiver. If the fourth running back played better or, or the seventh corner, right? The second, like there is not, I'll spoil. There's not a second slot corner on my version of the roster. And I, I'm going to give it to Cam Bynum if Shannon Sullivan goes down. Because I don't think any of the possible backup slot corners have played well enough. One of them just got cut. That was Harrison Hand. And the other ones are Nate Harrison and Perry Nickerson. And they've both been very bad. Um, so I'm not going to keep them just to have nice even numbers and cut somebody who's played well like Ty Chandler for it. And Nick agrees with me there. Um, also, the CJ Ham thing people think that they're not going to do a fullback because they haven't used CJ ham. They rested him as a starter. Y'all they're not going to cut him. <laughs> they, they've like been running lead plays. They've been like working out a whole version of the playbook for CJ ham. And the thing about having a fullback is if you have one, use it and do lead plays. And if you don't have one, don't force it. But if you have one, don't force yourself not to have one. You know, we, we are making the decisions in the wrong order here. And it's kind of a Warren sharp, like, 11 personnel gets more yards on average. So let's only ever do that. Like it, it's about the people you have. It's about the players you have, but the best five on the field, if they're all, you know, if they're two tight ends and two receivers and a running back, and those are your best players, you know, do that. That's what the Vikings did for years. Right. Um, if you'd rather put Irv Smith on the field than like Chad Beebe, then do that. Chad Beebe's not going to be less of a Chad Beebe just because he's a wide receiver. And the alternative to him is nominally a tight end. Right. Um, and so I think it's the same thing with CJ Ham. He might just be one of the best five skill players available to the Vikings, um, or at least in certain situations. And I honestly think he might be the second best tight end on the roster. If you want to line him up there and have him start doing that kind of blocking, um, they're going to use a fullback. If you're looking at preseason snap counts, I, honestly, the players who played more in the preseason than you thought are probably the ones in more trouble. Um, wide receiver wise, this is the first time where I break with Nick. Um, we both have the easy chalk five, Jefferson, Thielen, Osborne, Smith-Marset, BC Johnson. A lot of people are confused why everybody's got BC Johnson in their 53-man rosters. It's pretty simple. He has been the be the fifth best wide receiver on the team. You want to challenge me on that? Challenge me on that. But that's my evaluation. He has been the fifth best. He's been the most consistent route runner. He's been the most consistent separator. He's been one of the more open guys all preseason. Um I know he's kind of boring because he's been around. He's not one of these fresh new names like Jalen Naylor. Ooh, Myron Mitchell might be. It's like not as fun. Um, but when you're wide receiver five, you're not, it's not a sexy position. That's a, a position you get by being consistent. I have Jalen Naylor. Nick has Dan Chisena uh, in terms of the sixth guy. And I have Jalen Naylor. I am hoping he wins the punt return job. So this is contingent on him winning the punt return job. Um, if he does not win the punt return job, I do not think he makes the team. And then it probably is Dan Chisena. Chisena is a phenomenal punt gunner. He's been hurt a bunch, and I feel like that's kind of put him behind and sort of opened the door for other people to take it. Um, 
But if Nick ends up right on this one, I certainly my jaw will not hit the floor. I'm just holding out hope that Jalen Naylor wins as a, wins it out as a punt returner. And Dan Chisena also like missed a tackle pretty bad. So his punt gunning resume this particular preseason in front of this particular staff um, is maybe a little different than the ones we have from years past. But the NFL's a what have you done for me lately league. Um, tight end, we have it the same. Smith, Munt, El- uh, Irv Smith, Johnny Munt, Ben Ellison. Ben Ellison has been a great blocker. Johnny Munt, again, it's the same thing as BC Johnson. He's been consistent. He's been in the right place at the right time. And that's more than you can say about Zach Davidson. Nick Muse is closer than I thought, but I'm not ready to put him on a roster yet. So it goes to Johnny Munt. Um, Nick said maybe there'd be a waiver wire here. I, I could see it. Um, I could also see them not doing it, and I probably wouldn't complain too much about it. I think the tight end depth, it's like kind of a concern, but I'm not panicking over it just because I'm not that excited about Johnny Munt. He's been consistent, and these guys can block, and that's what you need from your tight end depth because when you're putting in two, three tight ends, that's not a four verts time, right? When you're in that package, this is not the time where you're running like spread concepts. In your jumbo, these guys are here to block. Um, I'll talk about the trenches soon. And of course we'll get into the rest of the defense as well. But first let me talk to you about Brightco, B-R-I-T-E-C-O, Bright.co. Um, so here's the thing when you buy jewelry, whether it's for an engagement or whether it's for just a gift or something, uh, what if something happens to that? (laughs) You don't want to be the idiot that dropped the ring on the boat, right? Uh, you don't want to be caught with your pants down like that. So, whether you're worried about it getting lost or stolen or something else, no matter what, it's the fastest, cheapest, and easiest way to cover your butt. So easy. You can get covered in two minutes on your cell phone, and you won't find a better deal on great coverage that's super affordable. It's five bucks a month, and you get totally comprehensive coverage, and it won't take you more than a couple of minutes. So go to bright.co, B-R-I-T-E, dot C-O, forward slash locked on. That's bright.co, forward slash Locked on. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Hey, make sure you are keeping an eye out for the Ultimate Pro Football Preview. All 32 of our Locked On hosts previewing the season for you. You can find that as a separate podcast feed, the Ultimate Pro Football Preview. Just search it out wherever you find your podcasts. Also, check out the History Doc. Part 5 coming out this weekend. The 90s. We got Carter, Moss, Denny Green. It's honestly... And it like part of it is because the 98 season is there, but part of it is just because of who these people were and John Randall and the underdogginess of it all and all of the the like self-improvement that these guys experienced on the Vikings. This one is like the most emotional one. Um, I'm really excited to bring it to you. You can find it at patreon.com slash NFL or at Zone Coverage, free to watch on Saturday. But if you wanted it, wanted a day early, come join me on Patreon. Let's keep going with this uh, 53-man roster. Let's talk about the offensive line. This is another place where I differed from Nick, but I don't feel very confident in it. Um, So I kept Ole Udo, and he didn't. That's the difference. But we both say, okay, O'Neal, Derisaw, and Blake Brandell are easy. Blake Brandell has outplayed Ole Udo, um, which is pretty cool. Brandell's actually been a pretty good, like, swing tackle. I think he's got a future in this league as a backup, and I hope that's in purple. Um, And Udo is the one that he cut, and I didn't. But I was really on the fence about it. Udo was my 53rd player. He was the last guy I put in. And honestly, I was sitting there like with 52. And I was like, I don't know who's like almost, I guess, Udo. (laughs) And I just sort of threw him out there. Part of it is that he can play guard in a pinch, right? So he has that flexible. I don't want him playing guard anymore. 
Um, I don't really want to play in tackle either, but the fact that he can play both is valuable. Um, if it were up to me, I would cut Jesse Davis, but that is money wise, just not a smart move because he'll carry, he's got a void year, so he'll carry a million and a half next year. Um, whether you cut him or not, but if you do want to get rid of Jesse Davis, I kind of want to trade him. He has some guaranteed salary that would then travel to the other team. And then you wouldn't end up like it, it would feel a little better. Uh, so if, if you wanted to trade Jesse Davis and keep Oli Udo or cut Oli Udo and keep Jesse Davis, I would be fine with either of those. I went with keeping both because I had the luxury of doing it because I just couldn't find another player that I actually like wanted to keep on the roster. This is a hard year to get to 53. Some years it's hard to get down to 53. Some years it's hard to get up to 53. This is one where it's hard to get up to 53, which is, uh, there's just some positions that don't have a lot of depth and it just kind of sucks. But there are other positions that do have a lot of depth. Like I feel like I cut like three rosterable receivers in, you know, Jackson and Mitchell um, and Dan Chisena. I think all those guys could end up on a 53-man roster, just not this one. Um, on the interior of the offensive line, we agreed we each kept six. Um, we have obviously the the three starters on the interior, Cleveland, Bradbury, and Ingram. I think Ingram has won the start. If Jesse Davis starts on week one, I would be actually pretty surprised and I would have to go rewatch tape. Cause I don't know what, I, what, like what more Ingram can do. He's been playing really well. Um, Jesse Davis kind of has to be there. And then Chris Reed and Austin Schlotman is one that I did not in- anticipate having on a 53 man prediction, but he's played well enough for it. So good for him. I also do this with the caveat that I've been saying, like if you want to replace Bradbury with somebody we trade for or a waiver claim or something, a, a Lloyd Cushenberry type, that's the name I've kind of been putting out. But there's a lot of options like that, you know, players that are going to be cap casualties or some rookies playing well. And so the veterans not necessary anymore. Those are those opportunities are actually around. Um, and you're just looking for a one year kind of paper over at the center position until you can draft a real one in 2023 is supposed to be a good class next year. So that's probably their plan. Um, so if you want to do that, then fine. Um, I will say Kyle Hinton almost made the cut for me, but not quite. Uh, he was just a little too inconsistent and Wyatt Davis is not even sniffing the roster and I'm not speculating there. That is over. (laughs) I don't think it's anybody's fault. I don't think it's one of those things like more information comes out. We can talk about it. Uh, but it's just best to move on from that one. Let's move to the defense. Uh, we'll start with the edge defenders, call them outside linebackers. I don't care. Um, this is another one where I differed from Nick. He kept Zach McLeod and I did not, but otherwise we had the same group, Hunter, Zadarius Smith, Patrick Jones, DJ Wanham. Those four have made the team on merit. Um, not even on lack of competition. I think those guys have just played rosterably well. I think DJ Wanham has taken a, a small step forward, but enough of one. And Patrick Jones has taken like a pretty big step forward. Um, I haven't seen it with Zach McLeod. I've seen him get washed out a lot. I haven't seen him hold his spot very well. Um, I, I think he had a couple of exciting practices early in camp and it sort of stuck in people's minds. But I, I just, I have not seen what people are talking about with my own eyes. And so I'm not putting him on my roster but hey, if I'm wrong, I have a little co-tweet bet with Nick. <laughs> Loser, whoever gets more wrong has to to uh, do a co-tweet with the other one, who, and the other one gets to, whoever gets more right gets to write it. <laughs> Let's go interior defensive lineman. We all agree. I think this group is pretty set in stone. Um, of course, Harrison Phillips, Dalvin Tom, Tomlinson, Armin Watson, starters, and then James Lynch, James Lynch, Jonathan Bullard, and Ty McGill have all just played too well to justify cutting them. Um, 
the T.Y. McGill obviously has been insane. James Lynch, nobody wants to like pay attention to him. He's been good, man. Like he's been penetrating. He's been pushing. He's been holding his gap. He's been in the right place. I don't know what more you can ask from James Lynch. I think he's been a good player. This a good backup. Like I don't think he's a starter, but he's been a player this this off season. And Jonathan Bullard has worked his way kind of quietly up the depth chart with just a lot of really consistent. He's good for like three or four plays a day. Um, that are really good. And that's, that's enough to really impress coaches. So I know we've got six people here. It's going to be a lot of depth and you don't necessarily need all those guys, but I just can't justify cutting any of them. They all played too well. Before I get into the back seven here, um, let me talk to you about hiring as you gear up for hiring season. It's the fall. You need the right people on your team. And that is what LinkedIn jobs is for. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn jobs, and they have a network of over a 810 million people to uh, search through. And they have all kinds of tools to narrow things down and sort people out and make sure that you're getting people that work for you. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Three more positions to go on this 53-man roster prediction. I am dueling with uh, Nick Olson over at Zone Coverage. Loser has to participate in a co-tweet that the winner writes. So there's stakes. He can make me say anything. <laughs> <laughs> so at off-ball linebacker, we have a difference here. Uh, Kendricks, Hicks, Asamoa, that's easy. Um, and I do think Asamoa has been the third best linebacker in, in in the preseason. He's so inconsistent, and he definitely plays by his own rules a little bit. He's freelancing a little bit, and I don't think he's reading things well enough. Like I don't feel very comfortable with him on the field yet, but everybody else has been such a disaster that like if you're putting a third linebacker out or if somebody gets hurt, um, he is probably the guy that goes. And... For a freelancer, he's got pretty good instincts and he bursts pretty fast. And like, sometimes that will work. It's just going to also like blow some plays. So if he gets on, you're going to have a lot of kind of up and down. You're going to have a TFL and then a 20 yard scamper right up a gap he vacated. The fourth one, and we both agree that there will be four off ball linebackers. The fourth one, I have Blake Lynch and he has Troy Die, And he's kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit. We both agree that Blake Lynch has been better. And he just thinks, ah, they like Troy Die better. He keeps being ahead of, Troy, of, of Blake Lynch on the depth chart. So he's trying to be right reading the tea leaves. I think that they have been giving Troy Die a lot of run as a way to evaluate him. And I don't think he has been doing well with that opportunity. And so I think this is, is going to be, a, hey, we gave you all the second team reps and you still couldn't outplay Blake Lynch. You're out. Um but we'll see what happens there. I do think it's one of those two dark, 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 dark horse here would be Chaz Surratt, who I thought had a pretty good game against the 49ers. And I'm going to be keenly watching him against Denver. If he has a killer game, he might be able to kind of come swoop this out of nowhere. Um, but it's, it's a long, long, long short. We're talking plus 6,000, but Hey, that ain't zero. Um, at cornerback, this is where <laughs> so Nick admitted. He admitted to me, he messed this one up. Uh, so we both have Patrick Peterson, Cam Dantzler, Chandon Sullivan, Andrew Booth, and Caleb Evans, right? Those are all um, pretty free. I have Chris Boyd as the sixth corner. He has Perry Nickerson. Again, I did not keep a nickel corner. If Chandon Sullivan goes down, I'm having a safety do it. It'll be probably Cam Bynum or Lewis Seen or probably like a combination, a mix of the two. He has Perry Nickerson. 
he did not realize that Perry Nickerson was injured, and that's why he didn't play in the 49er game, and he thought that that was like, uh, oh, we've seen enough, you're going to make the team. Um, but he also is trying to keep a slot, and I'm not. Uh, so I, th- I think I'm going to get that one over him, or if, I, if I'm if i wrong about Boyd, I don't think he'll be right about Nickerson. If it's not Chris Boyd, I think Nate Hairston might be the better option than Nickerson right now, but I don't feel very confident in that. Um Either way, then we go to safety. We both have the same one. Safety was always kind of going to be penciled in Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum, Lewis Seen, Josh Metellus. The intrigue there was, does Bynum start over Seen? I think the answer is yes. I think Bynum's played really well. Seen is still, he's so close, man. He's agonizingly close to being an insanely good player. He's like, just got to read things, and he's got to launch out a half step sooner, which he was really good at in college, so I know he's got it in him, and I think it's just a transition to the NFL. Things move at a little quicker speed. He's reading rules differently than they had him do it at Georgia. So there's just, he's transitioning. And I think once that transition is over, he'll be right back to the guy he was at Georgia. And he's honestly like 90% of that guy. He's just leaving a half step later than he used to. And there's just some plays he can't quite make. There was one catch that he gave up um, against San Francisco that was like, ah, you're leaving just close. Like you just have to quicken it up a little bit. He's so close, but he's not quite there yet. So we can put in Cam Bynum and Cam Bynum has played well enough to earn our confidence, I think. Um, which I, I didn't go into the season with that, into the camp with that. I was like, hey, Cam Bynum's only played two games. Maybe let's not hang our laurels on this. But he has now kind of, I, I was like, I'll believe it when I see it. Like, show me something. He showed me something. So we're all happy there. Uh, and then in special teams, folks, we have a punt off. We have a Denver punt off. A punt off in mile high. Oh, I just realized that. A punt off in mile high. How great is that? That would a great place to have a punt off. <laughs> So let me explain. Um, so the first game, Jordan Berry punted. The second game, Ryan Wright punted. Those are your two punters um, in the preseason. And somebody asked Matt Daniels, special teams coordinator, hey, what's the deal? What's going on there? And they said, it's going to be a punt off in Denver. So both of them are going to rotate, I would imagine, punting reps. And then whoever punts better gets the job, it sounds like. I would imagine Jordan Berry has pole position a little bit. And it's probably up to Ryan Wright to, to outplay him by enough of a margin to unseat that status quo. I said, sure. What if he does it? <laughs> I thought he punted really well against the 49ers. Um, I, I also said, like, I, I think this is like a 30% chance of it happening. And I kind of just said it to be spicy. <laughs> but either way, I love that this is a punt off. I don't have any problem at all with the way Jordan Berry is punted. I don't think we need to replace him or anything like that. I was just kind of being spicy. And it is a competition. If it's a true, genuine punt off, comes down to one day, you can have a bad day. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Tomorrow, I'll talk a little bit about kind of what everybody has at stake in de- going into this Denver game, what you should be watching for uh, in this game, because you're probably not going to see like any starters, and it's probably not going to be something that previews the Vikings very well. So I'll give you something else to look for. But in the meantime, check out the History Doc. Check out the Minnesota Football Party on the Locked On Minnesota Sports Podcast feed. Check out the Ultimate Football Preview. Get your fantasy stuff in. we got all kinds of stuff going on here at the Locked On Podcast Network. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.